Welcome to the True Crime Truckers Podcast. This podcast deals with true crime and subjects such as rape, murder, and sexual assault. This podcast may not be suitable for younger listeners, so listener discretion is advised. Elizabeth Smart, J.C. Dugard, Aton Pates, Johnny Gosh, Adam Walsh. It's a parent's worst nightmare. You turn around for a second and your child is gone. The pain and turmoil of a child abduction can rock a community. Sometimes the story has a happy ending. Sometimes it doesn't. And for some, there is never a resolution to the case. One such case in Vancouver, British Columbia, had the whole country of Canada holding their collective breaths for a happy ending. To this day, they are still holding that breath. Tonight, on the True Crime Truckers podcast, I bring you the case of Michael Dunahee. system has begun distributing posters of the Victoria child, half a million posters province-wide. As the Post is getting in on the search for Michael Dunahee, it's agreed to deliver posters of Michael to every household in the Lower Mainland. That's a lot Ryan of Ryan and Mila Mulrooney were in Victoria a few weeks ago. They promised to do what they could in the disappearance of the four-year-old boy. And today, Mila produced a television appeal for Ms. both Dunahee Michael... Dunahee says Texas investigator J.J. Arms can come to Victoria to search for Michael, but he shouldn't be paid his $100,000 fee up front. Meantime... Tonight, about 100 people held a candlelight vigil featuring a song specially written for Michael. Michael Wayne Dunahee was born May 12, 1986, in Victoria, British Columbia. His parents were Crystal and Bruce Dunahee. He also had a younger sister, Caitlin. On March 24, 1991, Michael and his family went to Blanchard Elementary School for his mother Crystal's flag football practice. Michael was wearing a blue hooded jacket, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles t-shirt, rugby pants, and blue sneakers that day. The family arrived at the school around 12.30 p.m., and when they got there, Michael asked his mom if he could visit the playground, which was near the field where the football practice was taking place. Despite having a gut feeling that, quote, something wasn't quite right, Crystal allowed him to walk over to the playground by himself 
but told him that once he got there, he had to, quote, stay there and wait for Daddy to come. However, when Michael's dad, Bruce, came to the playground, Michael was not there. Around 50 people began to look for Michael, and his parents immediately notified the police. On March 24, 1991, uh, as in any other weekend activity, I was uh, on my way to the football field because I play women's football, and we had taken the children. My husband was with us, and uh, on the way to the field, Michael had asked if he could play at the park. That now, was this is your four-year-old four son, Michael? Yes, four and a half, almost five as he would tell you. <laughs> so he had asked if he could play at the park. It was right behind our backs, like 100 yards away. So Bruce was helping me get uh, our daughter, who was six months at the time, and our equipment to the side of the field. And in the time it took for him to help me do that, to go back to the playground right behind us, Michael was not there. At that time, the investigation regarding Michael's disappearance became one of the largest in Canadian history and still remains one of the largest today. Since Michael disappeared so quickly from a public place, the police quickly classified his case as an abduction rather than a missing child case, and all the detectives from the Victoria Police Department were called in to solve the case. Hundreds of tips began coming in every hour from across British Columbia and North America, and during that time had to be written on carbon paper and sorted out manually. The police believed that if they had current technology such as video surveillance, DNA techniques, and computer systems to sort out tips, the case might have been solved. Victoria detectives investigated known sex offenders and interviewed anyone who had been in the area around the time of Michael's disappearance, but were unable to find much information except a witness report that a, quote, man in his late 40s or early 50s with a brown van was near the playground, unquote. I feel like, beyond the fathers is my family and I let, how can, you know, there's nothing I can do to get my son back that actually physically do. I get out there and there he is, grab him and bring him home. And that's got to be one of the worst feelings anybody could have, not being able to protect your family, not knowing where they are. A month after Michael disappeared, the police staged a recreation of the disappearance at Blanchard Elementary using a brown van, but were unable to produce any new leads. In 2006, reports of a young man who physically resembled Michael had been living in the interior of British Columbia since 1991 breathed new life into the case. However, this young man was confirmed by DNA testing not to be Michael. In early 2009, police in Milwaukee, Wisconsin found a missing person poster of Michael at the home of 62-year-old Vernon Seitz, who had confessed to a psychiatrist that he had murdered a child in 1959 when he was 12 and knew of another child killing. Seitz was later found dead by Milwaukee police, apparently from natural causes. I had told him uh, not to go off with the kids that were there because I didn't know whose kids, that, whose kids they were and to watch out for the cars on his way back. In 2011, with the 20th anniversary of Michael's disappearance approaching, the police were notified of a man living in Chase, British Columbia, who looked like Michael, but DNA testing later confirmed that he was not Michael. In 2013, a man with the username Canuckles posted on the message boards of the Vancouver Canucks official website claiming that the police were coming for a DNA test. They had requested a blood sample from a man in Surrey, British Columbia, who they believed could possibly be Michael. 
However, on September 9th, the Victoria Police Department stated that the Surrey man was not Michael after DNA testing was done. Go for a walk and I'm, sometimes I find myself looking back to forget Michael, but you know he's not there. Or if I'm out at baseball or whatever and you, you see all the kids playing, well, Michael would be over there playing too. It's, it's, it's hard. There's so much in our life that we still do that Michael would be involved in. Everybody else's lives might go on, but ours aren't. Ours aren't. We're not going to stop until we find him. And I mean that. No way I'm giving up my son. He's the first and only son I'm ever, ever going to have. And I want him back. Michael's case remains open, with officers still committed to continuing the investigation. Both the police and Michael's family remain hopeful and believe that one day a tip will come in that will provide them with the answer about his whereabouts. 2016 marked the 25th anniversary of Michael's disappearance, and to this day, tips continue to come in from the public, especially around the anniversary of his disappearance each year. Many Victoria residents recall the day of Michael's disappearance as the, quote, loss of innocence for the city, as the fact that the child had been abducted in their community came as a shock. Fears and concerns about child abduction quickly began to rise among parents, kids, and schools in the months after the disappearance. Crystal became an advocate for missing children's issues in British Columbia and has served as the president of the Child Find British Columbia. In 2002, she lent her voice to the support of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in calls to introduce an Amber Alert system in the province, as she believed that her son would have been found if such a program existed in 1991. The system has since been implemented in most regions of Canada. The community of Esquimalt, part of the Greater Victoria Metropolitan Area, holds an annual charity event called the Michael Dunahy Keep Hope Alive Fund Run to raise money for the child find. This event is organized by Michael's sister, Caitlin. I think that it is highly probable that a stranger abducted Michael, 
but sadly the police seem to be no closer to identifying the perpetrator today than they were in 1991. Not only did Michael's disappearance rock the community of Victoria to its core, but also his family has never really recovered from their tremendous loss. Michael's sister was only six months old when he disappeared, and she misses the older brother she never had the opportunity to really know. Caitlin has stated, quote, My mom says that he was really good with me. I just have to hold on to that, unquote. Crystal has long blamed herself for her son's disappearance. She told the media, quote, Giving my permission to let him go and play in the park by himself, I should have made him wait. That's the hardest part to deal with, unquote. The pain, loss, and guilt that the Dunahees continue to grapple with is unfathomable. On top of losing their beloved son, the Dunahees have had to endure additional pain and disappointment over the years. Horrible pranksters left the family voice messages stating that Michael had been killed by a satanic cult. Another cruel caller even demanded a $10,000 ransom for Michael's return and was never heard from again. Additionally, the Dunahees have often gotten their hopes up that Michael has been found. Numerous men from various parts of British Columbia, such as Port McNeil, Surrey, and Chase, have been thought to be Michael until DNA tests proved them otherwise. Heartbreakingly, Michael remains a little boy lost. There is a $100,000 reward for information leading to Michael's whereabouts. Anyone with information about Michael's disappearance can contact the Victoria Police Department's dedicated tip line at 250-995-7444 or to remain anonymous, Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS. That's 1-800-222-8477. As always, you can contact me at truecrimetruckerpodcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group at True Crime Trucker Podcast Group. You can also join Age of Radio's Facebook group at Addicted to Podcasting. This is a group dedicated to the show hosts and fans of Age of Radio shows. You can also visit my website at www.ageofradio.org slash true crime truckers slash there you can browse the bazaar where you can purchase items from our wonderful sponsors as well as browse other shows on the age of radio syndicate also if you'd like to donate to the show and get yourself a podcast sticker go to www.patreon.com slash true crime truckers podcast you can also find me on Instagram at michael.prit81. I will return in two weeks with another case to present. So until then, stay safe.